1: Turn up your volume, volume. because you're about to listen to The The Sick Sick Podcast Podcast. with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like no other. other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond organic sleep. Cherry River hard seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocers and the Beer Store. And Johnny Bootlegger's Whiskey Old Fashioned is both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail. Available now at Saks near you.
0: Marinero, the sick podcast. Today on the sick podcast, a little bit of a different show than shows you may have been accustomed to. We talk about professional athletes every day, the contracts they sign, the money they make. And sometimes, and actually it's happening more and more often over the years, you hear stories of athletes who are broke. And you say to yourself, how the hell did this happen? They earned 50, 60, 70, 80 million dollars over the course of their careers. How can they be broke? A couple of gentlemen are going to tell us how easy it can be and what they actually can do to avoid it. I bring in Stephen Furtado, investment advisor with Manville, private client, and Laurent Massa, VP, family office and advisor relations, head of sports and entertainment division at Group RMC. Gentlemen,
2: how you doing? Good, 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 Tony. Thanks for having us on. Good, Tony.
0: Thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. All right, guys. So I imagine you guys work together and help each other. Stephen, why don't you tell me what you do? Then Laurent can tell me what he does. And then I guess we'll figure out what you guys do for each other.
2: Right. So I'm basically, I work in wealth management and uh, I serve uh, high net worth families across Canada and North America, basically. Laurent?
3: Yes, I'm part of a real estate co-investment group. Uh, What that means is we're essentially just a bunch of families who get together and uh, we buy real estate in the U.S., And, um, you know, parallel to that, a few athletes have come in in our deals because um, for separate reasons than these families, uh, uh, you know, real estate can be a very good fit for them.
0: All right. So now, if I was a professional athlete, which unfortunately never happened, but if I was knowing what I know, this is what I would do I would try and buy as much real estate as possible because less money I have in my bank account, more property I have at the end of the, my career, I will not have spent all my money, and I'll have some apartments, I'll have some doors, I'll have some rents to fall back on. Isn't it that easy? Laurent, I'll start with you.
3: Yeah, yes and no, it is that easy in theory, but you know, a lot of people don't know where to look. Um, athletes or no athletes, it's not very easy to just get up and, and do a real estate deal. There's a lot of heavy lifting. you got to know secure loans you have to find a deal and all all that kind of stuff so I agree with you that it's a very good fit for uh, for athletes I'm not sure if I would put every single dollar I have um, in real estate because it is a bit of an uh, uh, what you call an illiquid asset uh, meaning it's not something you could just sell tomorrow Um, but the idea is good I mean athletes you know have such a short earnings uh, window if you're lucky you're, you're earning for the first 10 years of your working career um, if you could take some of those earnings and turn those, you know, <clears throat> convert those into income early on in your career, um, so that when you're done playing, whether it's three years, 10 years, 15 years, you have money coming in no matter what, um, you know, that's pretty, pretty, it's a good security net.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Tony, that, you know, even Warren Buffett said, you know, investing is simple, but it's not easy necessarily. So, you know, it, just dumping your money into real estate, it would be a great plan. I'm sure a lot, a lot of these guys would have benefit from doing so. But um, I guess part and parcel as to what I do and how I work with Laurent is exactly this. Somebody comes into money and now what do we do with it and how do we make sure that we don't outlive it? So that's kind of what we wanted to bring to the audience today is kind of say, listen, what's what's behind the scenes now for these athletes? You know, how how are they investing and what's the trend right now? Like what's what's helping them get through or break this statistic of, you know, I think it was Sports Illustrated or whatever that brought out this crazy percentage of athletes that go broke within the the first few years of retirement so how do we break that stigma
0: laura so um a real estate portfolio is what you have or different portfolios how does it work exactly
3: yeah so uh, traditional real estate companies or or you know private equity funds or they're kind of set up in a way where they'll buy real estate um Pull a, pull together a bunch bunch of investors, and then you know, in five, seven, or ten years, they'll offload it, and uh, and then they'll take a 20% cut of the profits, and they move on. They got to find another deal. We take a much different approach. We're what you call permanent equity. What that means is basically you uh, treat real estate the way it should be treated, which is as a, what we call a permanent asset. Um, Warren Buffett called it buy and hold. So we get a bunch of people together, a bunch of families. Uh, we pool our money together. And we buy the same type of real estate that these big shots are buying, except we don't have, you know, a, 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 you know, a false timeline, an arbitrary timeline, five, seven, or ten years down the road, where we have to sell to make a profit. We're perfectly comfortable just sitting on the real estate for years and, and you know, even generations. Um, it's not that much more complicated than that. The, the, the heavy lifting, like I said, is done on our end. Where. You know, we have to find a a good deal. We have to uh, do our due diligence and then we turn and offer it to our families. And if they like it, they come in. If not, they wait for the next deal. Um, You know, uh, uh, athletes, I think have generally liked investing in something that's tangible and something that is at the end of the day, a pretty simple business compared to all this nonsense you're seeing um, out there that nobody can explain. Um, And, and it's, it's, it's for that reason, it's a good fit. I always like to say um it's the type of stuff that team owners invest in and you know a lot of athletes especially in baseball and and you know in in basketball and some football guys are are, it's not a stretch to say they're making older money and so why shouldn't they have access to that type of real estate why shouldn't they 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 you know rub shoulders with them and come and see the assets and and do the type of deals that they're doing uh just because they're athletes i mean they're professionals a lot of people are are most people aren't professional anything um so that that's mm-hmm. sort of the vision, and that that's how uh, the process
0: plays out. So, Stephen, um, in the line of work that you do, you obviously meet with people every day that want to invest money, and at times you're going to meet with athletes, or you're going to get referrals, and they're going to refer you to an athlete. And the first person that comes to mind when you meet with that athlete is Laurent.
2: I mean it's certainly uh, it's certainly a pillar in, or should, you know, like a almost like a, a pillar in every single one of the portfolios because it, you know getting into the stock market and stuff like that, these are all things that are, are relatively out of your control, right? The stock market moves up and down. So everybody, be it, you know, a business owner or a professional athlete, they need something that's going to give them something that's steady, predictable, predictable and costs, predictable and revenues as well. And that's why a lot of people flock to real estate. Right. And, and you look around, I mean, even in your networks, I'm sure that you would say, um, you know, real estate in itself is the cornerstone of almost every wealthy person I've ever met. Um, it, it's it's the cornerstone of their portfolio, uh, you know, of, of, of how they became wealthy, you know, so definitely it's it's a question of, of making that introduction because like an athlete, you know, imagine being 25 or 26 years old, coming into a ton of money and you, knowing that your career might have a lifespan of five to 10 years, depending on, you know, physical and mental uh, wellness, you need to make sure that your money can... You know, not basically not outlive your money. You need to make sure that you're, you have cash flow that that carries on beyond uh, your retirement. You know, so whether it's a business owner who's selling his uh, his company or not, or an athlete in this case, uh, this is definitely something that we put in because, like I said, it'll be able to continue paying them even after or long after they retire.
0: Laurent, how long have you been working with real estate portfolios?
3: Well, I mean, my family's been investing in real estate going back to the 80s. Um, and then that was, you know, in Texas. And then here in Quebec during the referendum, there was a big opportunity once the whole real estate market collapsed. And you know, Toronto essentially big reason why Toronto is so big today is because of that sucking sound that came from the referendum. Um, and and then after the 08 crash, that's when we that's when we decided to go south of the border and, and invest in, in you know the biggest economy in the world. And we were finding unbelievable, unbelievable deals, you know, the whole country was was basically on on fire sale and and that was our entry to the u.s and and in the last 10 years we built you know a pretty substantial por- portfolio in real estate before that i was in the same line of work of uh, as steven was um and you know i wasn't able to do all the things i wanted to do especially with you know the the handful of athletes that i i, I uh, was in touch with and real estate kind of became the gateway to that where you know oftentimes i don't even uh, i don't even meet the athletes or i don't you know what I mean it's not really about that it's uh, it's I'm like with Steven I'm kind of a solutions provider uh, where you know if, if their agent or if their their money manager wants a piece of real estate but doesn't know where to look I come in and I kind of facilitate that whether I'm involved in in, 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 the, uh, in the interaction or not is uh, I'm indifferent towards that
0: so then, obviously we're talking real estate we're talking a long-term investment because you talked about the crash and real estate could actually be down for a couple of years, but history has shown us that with time, it's always going to go back up. So we're talking long-term investment, correct?
3: Yeah, that absolutely, Tony. I mean, it's it's never a buyer's and a seller's market at the same time. And so what we try to do is come into different, you know, pockets of opportunity when it is uh, when it is a buyer's market, and then, like I said, we buy and hold. And because the philosophy of our families is really to build generational wealth, I mean, they've they've made their their wealth doing something else whether it's a, a shipping business or you know they sold a, a a diamond business or a professional athlete or whatever it is they're looking to preserve not necessarily to uh uh to hit a home run you know i like to say our business kind of like hitting singles and doubles um that wins games and uh we're not maybe the sexiest uh um bride but we're a faithful bride and uh and you know that that has an appeal to people who want to make sure that their families are taken care of for, for for generations.
0: Stephen, one of the things you mentioned a couple of minutes ago was we can't control the stock market and Laurent just talked about hitting singles and doubles and maybe not hitting home runs. Uh but when you try and hit the home run of course you can strike out many many times. Is is the logic as plain and simple as with time
2: brick will always go up? I think so. I mean, you also have to keep in mind, I think this it's, it's, an, it's important to note that, you know, you're buying real estate or you're co-investing in real estate passively, right? Because anybody, and we would encourage you to do so. I mean, you can go out and buy real estate and many people have done really well doing so. But um, the advantage of doing it passively this way is obviously that, you know, you don't have to take that phone call from your, your tenant at 2 o'clock in the morning that the toilet's busted or, or whatever else. It's really, a, it's really a calculated approach that you're basically leveraging the ability of coming in with a lot of investors and just collecting that rent without the headache of the actual maintenance of the building. So it's it's your way of introducing real estate to your portfolio without you actually having to take it on, which is why, again, the athletes love it, right?
0: Or for that matter, Laurent, you don't have to go out on the first of every month to go collect all the rents from all the apartments that you own. You don't have to do that either.
3: No, thankfully. And uh, I mean, Tony, our, our portfolio is mainly in in, uh, in office. I mean, what we own is is made mainly, you know, large uh, institutional type portfolios of office buildings across the U.S. Um, and, you know, our tenants tend to be Fortune 500 companies, you know, Microsoft, uh, Oracle, Daewoo, Merrill Lynch, you name it. And so their check is pretty good. Uh, it doesn't usually bounce and uh, we have, you know, property management teams that take care of that. And so, like I said, it, there, there is an appeal in that it's, it's a lot of the heavy lifting is done uh, for the investor.
0: So obviously it's very calculated. You're not going to buy property or real estate all over the world and sometimes playing, paying exorbitant prices. As you mentioned, it took advantage of a crash in 2008 to get some really, really good deals. So back in 2008 or 10 or whenever it was, and the dollar was at par, mm-hmm. there were a lot of foreclosures, um, you and, and, and your people were going out and you were pouncing on opportunities that you knew would be great value for people going forward.
3: Yep, exactly. And they weren't even necessarily foreclosures, Tony. You'd see some of these assets. Um, you know, Oftentimes we buy prime quality assets at distra- distressed prices. And the reason why is because their structure that they're caught in is distressed. The assets are in perfectly good shape. But these funds... Who own these assets? You know, usually they're stressed out, and, and people want their money out, and then they they you know they have to sell assets to pay to inject some cash, and they're in a bit of a in a bit of a bind. But the asset itself, the underlying asset, is very healthy, and that's where we come in. And and you know, given the the, the market circumstances, we can get things at a very good price. And in real estate, it's all about the basis. And what do I mean by that? Is all about what are you paying per pound? Um, you know, Warren Buffett says. Uh, If you notice, we have court Warren Buffett quite a bit because we like his long-term approach. Um, It's hard to go wrong when you buy a dollar for less than a dollar. And really, that's in essence what our business is, is trying to buy a dollar for less than a dollar. And in real estate, that's something you can do when there are certain inefficiencies in certain markets, or like I said, there's a bit of a disconnect. uh, uh, Like I said earlier, there's a bit of a disconnect in, in the real estate world between what's good for the fund managers and what's good for the investors. And so we kind of developed a, a, a little bit more of a, an investor friendly approach. And the only way we could do that is by not tying ourselves down to some arbitrary term where we say, look, we're gonna buy this and then we're gonna sell it in five years. Who knows if five years is gonna be a good time to, to, to sell. You think selling an office building in the middle of COVID was it was good for the seller? No, was it good for the buyer? Yes.
0: Steven, uh, the investment, does it have to be, I would imagine it has to be a minimal amount,
2: right? Yeah, so I was going to say that you know it's important to also mention that this is obviously reserved for accredited investors, which you know is is a, is a there's a specific criteria, right? That's the barrier to entry. Otherwise, you would say, okay, well, why doesn't everybody get in into it? It's not to say that's not accessible. It's not necessarily only reserved for you know entertainers and uh, and uh, and uh, professional athletes, but. Um, there are barriers to entry. So you would need to be an accredited investor in order to, to get involved. And then typically they start at around the $50,000 USD mark. Um, And just so that, you know, like in terms of how the, the, the order flow works is that Laurent and his team are out there finding deals, right? They don't need to find a deal, but when a deal does come about, they'll then basically either scoop it up or put in an offer to buy it. And then the deal will be put on to my desk. Right, and then it's my job to say, okay, based on this deal, which one of my investors or how many of my clients would like to get involved in this? Right, so then we go through presentations, we run through the, you know, we run through the numbers, and if it makes sense, we invest. Right, so that that's just just so you understand kind of how how the relationship works. They find the deal, then I present the deal to my pool of yeah. uh, clients, and then we invest. Uh, we invest that way. Lorraine and
0: his people have a specialty, and that is finding deals in real estate, and they scoop it up and they buy. Like you said, you have a specialty which is investing money uh, from pretty much, um, you know, all all across the board, all sectors of people. And at that point, those who are deemed investors, like accredited investors, like you talked about, when all these deals come on your table, you can pick and choose where you think your clients could actually make a good investment. Yeah, now now Laurent, you're buying all over the United States? No, we're pretty focused.
3: If you look at the map of where we buy, it's pretty much in the middle of the country. and uh, that's absolutely by design. Uh, when I say the middle, you know all the way up from Minnesota down to Texas, Florida, a little bit in you know Tennessee, Ohio, Illinois. Um, uh, the reason why is because like I said earlier, this is really where the value is. Um, these aren't necessarily the most liquid markets. What I mean by that is when you buy a certain real estate deal at that scale, when those go on sale, Tony, there isn't a huge buyer pool, even in the institutional world, for a 2 million square foot office portfolio in the suburbs of Kansas City. Just not many people line up to buy that. Um, And so that's why. you get good deals because if you put an office, up, uh, office building up for sale in Silicon Valley or in New York or in Miami, somebody will overpay for it in a second. Um, and so our focus has been in that part of the country because we're not necessarily uh, worried about having to sell it in five or seven years like these other groups are. We're in it for the long haul. Um, and, and so that's why we've built up a pretty substantial portfolio in a, in a, in a specific market uh, or segment of the country. But that doesn't mean that if a good deal came up in Los Angeles or like our deal right now in Houston that we're doing, Houston's a pretty, what you call a gateway market. Whereas we're used to investing in what you call non-gateway markets. Um, the reason why is because the pricing was good. So we're not married necessarily to that portion of the country, although it is a great portion of the country. I know anyone who's been there will know that it's good people from there. Um, it's really because that's where the value is.
0: So Steven, excuse my ignorance on this on this matter, but a uh, quick question here is that, I buy into this real estate portfolio. Uh, I buy along with, I don't know, give me a number, 10, 15, 20 other people, is that whatever?
2: Is in that- some cases, it, it, there, there's a certain minimum per, uh, or I should say, there's even a maximum that you can buy in per deal. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Laurent, but I believe it was at capped at a maximum of 20% per deal. So if they're raising, yeah. let's say, 60 million bucks, any given family or or individual can come in and buy up to more than 20% of any given deal. That is to avoid having excess control out of uh, in any deal. Uh, Laurent, that's right, right?
3: Yeah, that's bang on. Um, anything over 20%, it gets a little bit com- complicated. Uh, we like to, as the real estate group, maintain control of what goes on. Uh, But it's more than 40 or 50 families, Tony. It's probably closer to 100 to 200. depending. So
0: so perfect. Let's just say it's 150 families. All right. Mm -hmm. And and there are X amount of of rents coming in per month. Mm -hmm. Do I have access my share out of the 150 to that rent? Or does it stay there and probably actually take those rents and probably put them into other portfolios going forward?
3: No, that wouldn't be very kosher. You can do that individually yourself. So we have investors. So... The idea is good, uh, you're you're, you're right, is is that you you invest in the deal, you have 130, 140 tenants paying rent every month, Uh, those rents are collected, and they go towards paying down your debt, uh, paying taxes and expenses, and then what's left gets distributed to the investors. Um, And the investors literally get a a paper check in the mail for whatever percent ownership you have in the deal, you get that same percent ownership uh, in the income. And then, um, you know, for a lot of our investors, this is passive income, meaning it's yeah. not necessarily what they're using to buy groceries. And so they'll reinvest it in the next deal and uh, and compound and compound. And uh, uh, that's that's definitely a strategy to, uh, to get rich. You know, we always hear about getting rich quick, but there's nothing wrong with getting rich slow.
0: So Stephen, um, those who would approach you and say, Stephen, listen, um, I'll invest in it, but I want to pull out my money two or three years from now, you're going to say, this is the portfolio. This is not the portfolio for you because you have to leave your money in there for I would imagine long-term X amount of years. How many
2: years are we talking here? Honestly, RMC has no intention whatsoever of selling the asset. So you need to be, if, if you have the ability to park money into this type of investment, you're parking it there with the intention that you just want the passive cash flow. You're not you're not in it to get out, which is why, again, when we build portfolios, you you have to build them with a mix of both, you know, having stocks and things that you can actually sell if somebody does need liquidity. Right. This is why this is this doesn't comp, this doesn't uh, necessarily um, represent 100 percent of any individual's portfolio. You know what I mean? They would have stocks yeah. or other things that they can liquidate beforehand. But again, that's what kind of differentiates somebody who's an accredited investor. It means like the 100000 that they're putting in is not necessarily their last 100000 or their only 100000 that they have to invest. You know what I mean? Guys, I
0: want to bring in someone else to join us in this conversation because according to Sports Illustrated, 78% of former NFL players experience financial distress two years after retirement and most professional athlete earnings are actually compressed into just a handful of years. So the further ado, he is a certified NFL agent and owner of an All-American Fundamental Showcase, Sean Stellato. How you doing, Sean? I'm well, how are you guys doing? We're doing extremely well. Uh, Thanks for taking time for us today. Um, What can you tell us about these guys because You've invested. You've had some of your athletes invest in the portfolio. have you not,
4: you know. So we are actually in the process of that. So, um, and it's it's a great product. You know, bricks and mortar is a, is a great area. Uh, my job as a fiduciary and being a confidant to clients and and potential clients is to really educate them because uh, you're right. There is a, a lot of you know horror stories about athletes uh, going bankrupt, losing money. And let's face it, the average lifespan of a player is only 3.3 years. So uh, they do have the platform that's not your traditional platform to you, you know, average person. Um, And they get access to a lot of things. But at the same token, there's a lot of opportunities that come their way that might not be uh, in their best interest, uh, you know, and they've really got to have people that can advise them properly uh, because at the end of the day, uh, it's not how much money we make; it's how much we were able to keep and invest, and and obviously grow over time.
0: So, as someone who's a certified NH- NFL agent, you've heard the horror stories, and you've seen the horror stories. It, 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 listen, it breaks my heart every time I hear someone who's made millions and millions of dollars, um, not have any money left when all is said and done.
4: Yeah, because if you know if you if you have that you know, mindset of delayed gratification, or even if you're putting it in the S and P 500, uh, you know, over time. So, you know, obviously there's riskier investments to, you know, when you're younger, you, you know, your investment objective is a lot different than when you're, you know, 22 compared to when you're 65, 70, but you know, you talked about Buffett. I mean, buy good companies for the long term, and, uh, I, you know, at the end of the day, uh, if, if they follow that, but uh, I, I mean, they can do well and have great lives and hopefully don't be a statistic on the three point three years, because um, let's face it, you know, f- football has one of the, of the four mages. Um, and if, if you're able to get to your second and third contract, that's where really the true money can be made. Uh, But at the end of the day, you know, these guys are getting taxed at a high rate. um, And, you know, they have a a lot of people that are coming at them with a lot of ideas. And, you know, obviously some of them want to take care of family. Uh, So after all said and done, you got to just you got to have that no person, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with Group RMC, they got, you know, I think a really viable product that I'm excited about. um, And, uh, you know, having a finance back. Background. I think it's uh, it's going to be a, a great way for these guys to have exposure in an area um, where they can be educated in, in something concrete and solid. they can going to be able to, uh, you know, persevere, I should say, preserve their money. Did I lose anybody?
0: No, we, 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 okay. we were you were breaking up for a second, but we're all good. Sean, thanks for your time. Uh, and uh, he's Sean Stilato, of course, who's a certified NFL agent. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for doing this, bud. Thank you, Sean. All right, okay. We was breaking up for one point there, but it's all good. Um, Steve, do you find that when you talk to athletes nowadays, more so than talking to them five, six, seven years ago, that more so now they're more aware, they're more educated, they, they understand more the difficulties that some other athletes have had because they too have heard the horror stories. Do you find they're more educated in that respect?
2: Well, listen, I think that that, that goes for everybody, right? Where we're living in a time now where there's so much access to information, right? I think so many more people have become more and more financially uh, literate, um, you know, especially during the pandemic. I mean, people actually had time to sit down and learn about stocks and learn about the economy and read up on things. So yeah, I think athletes are are no different. I think a lot of them have already seen, and I know that a lot of the veteran athletes have also started to pass down a lot of that wisdom. Don't do this. Don't buy that cheesy car wash that your you know your your buddy's going to have a great idea and you know try and plug you into a bunch of restaurants or a, you know s- some other type of get rich quick type of, of situation. And let's look at what really works, right? And when you boil it down, trends come and go, but real estate's. It's there to stay. You know what I mean? So yeah. a lot of these guys, they have the opportunity in some cases to invest in the skyline in, in, of the, the city that they played in. You know what I mean? So like if you can own a piece of that, wouldn't you own it? You know what I mean? If you know that you're you're sending your or your wife works in that building, you know, you can own a piece of that building. You know, your kids are going to yeah. school in this, this area. You can own, you know, a block in that in that area. So um, I think it, it became something that's that's very, very real. And I think that that knowledge has been passed on because a lot of the guys are, are, are and girls are certainly, you know, wisening up, smartening up and, and they're asking the right questions or they're surrounding themselves with the right people to find uh, find the opportunities that they need to make sure that they don't outlive their money. Laurent,
0: one of the first questions every investor always asks is, what is my expected rate of return? Uh, based on the amount of time that you've been dealing with the real estate portfolios, is there a rate of return number that you can give us?
3: Um, I mean, every deal is a little bit different. We our deals have um, you know different profiles. I guess you could say some of them are a little bit more uh, what you call value add, meaning they don't necessarily pay much at the beginning, but they're a little bit juicier a couple of years down the road. Some of them are a little bit more plain vanilla, uh, and but they pay up front. And some of them are home runs it happens you know when you do when you do things right consistently for a long time you get lucky that's in any industry um so i would say i'll give you an example of of a deal that we're we're you know we're going to launch in a couple of uh, couple of weeks here it'll probably distribute somewhere between five and seven percent uh on day one and then you know with the opportunity to when we lease up some vacant space you know we'll we'll refinance um, Um, and we'll get some equity out. So to answer your your question, Tony, I would say anywhere long-term rate of return, probably anywhere from 10 to 15%, uh, which is a mix of growth and of distributions.
0: And you know what I love about this, guys, especially if you're a high-income earner, let's just say you're an athlete uh, making millions and millions of dollars per year. Uh, As Sean just talked about, they're, they're getting asked for favors by everyone. Their entourage, buy me a house, buy me a car, help me out. I used to go to school with you. I used to protect you from getting beat up. I used to do this. I used to go shop for you. I used to buy your clothes. I was your best friend, yada, yada, yada. All of a sudden, if you start taking money out of the bank here, money out of the bank there, money out of the bank here, money out of the bank there, there's no money left. What I love about this, it actually limits the amount of cash that's still in your bank account, which I think ends up, in this case, being an advantage,
2: right? This is a this is a pay, pay yourself first situation, right? Like you said, it's almost uh, it's a blessing in disguise. That whole illiquidity factor that that Laurent brought up before, uh, it's a blessing in disguise because it's protecting you from yourself. You know what I mean? It's protecting you from saying, "Oh yeah, I do have that extra scratch to, to put into your car wash or, or whatever else." Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, actually, that that money's already been allocated. You know, sorry, mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm working with, I have just enough to put my kids through private school. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you you have to pay yourself first, and it's a lesson that a lot of these people learn. It's like, the money comes in, put it to work, because there's nobody else that's going to be working for you when you retire, you know? So, make sure that it's working for you.
0: Stephen Furtado, Investment Advisor with Manville Private Client, and Lauren Massa, VP Family Office and Advisor Relations Head of Sports and Entertainment Division at Group RMC. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, I can give out the website, of course, for grouprmcusa.com. Other than the website, is there a number where they can reach you, gentlemen?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, listen, I could be reached at uh, 514-458-8173. If you guys want, you can put it up on 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 your site. And I think this is something that maybe I'm speaking to, uh, too soon, Laurent, but in the event that you guys want or if there's interest from the audience, maybe on the next raise or a, a particular um, opportunity situation, we can uh, we can uh, gladly invite some of the audience that that uh, fit the criteria as accredited investors to come in and attend and actually see what one of these uh, one of these um, raises are like so they can reach out to you guys directly and you guys can put them in touch as well.
0: Stephen, that sounds awesome. Laurent Massa, closing comments by you? Um, no, I mean, uh... Steven said it well, huh?
3: <laughs> well, how do you how do you follow that you know what um when we launch a deal it's there's there's obviously people that are pretty thorough you know when investing that kind of money and so we do have quite a bit of, of lead up going up to to you know the actual uh fundraising we host webinars where we walk people through the deal we educate people on the story of the deal why it's up for sale why it's a good deal what our strategy is and so if if, if members of the audience do want to participate in that. Um, then I'm, you know, we're glad to, to, to loop them in the process and then they can make their own decision if they think it's a good fit for them or not. Always
0: and- heartbreaking when you hear that someone's hard, uh, hard-earned money actually is no more. And with gentlemen like this and the work that you do and the great professionals they are, you don't have to worry about that going forward. So Stephen Furtado and Laurent Massa, thanks guys for joining me today on the SICK Podcast. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate you can it. listen via the iHeartRadio app or follow us on the SICK Podcast on all social media platforms.
1: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond organic sleep, Cherry River hard seltzer, only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocer and the Beer Store and Johnny Bootlegger's Whiskey Old Fashioned. He's both refreshing and authentic to the classic cocktail. Available now at Saks near you.